I do bring you greetings from your sister church, Covenant OPC in Brighton. If you have uh, your Bible with you, please turn with me to Revelation chapter 18, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 14. And when you have found Revelation 18, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Revelation 18, beginning to read at verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore, cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Please be seated. As we come to reflect on this portion of scripture tonight, join your hearts with mine in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, which is light and truth. And we pray that you would bless us with grace this evening, that we might hear not the words of a mere man, but that we might hear you, the living and true God, the eternal and everlasting God, that we would hear you speak to us. 
Open our ears and our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we would receive your truth and use your word, we pray, O God, to shape us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, all for your glory and for our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you were to ask your neighbors the question, what is true religion? I don't doubt you're going to get all kinds of answers. Uh, it would be all over the map, no doubt. I, sus- I suspect that more than one of you would probably get the response, well, um, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. That, there, there's something uh, bad about the word religion for many people. But however your neighbors might respond to your question, or whatever people in our culture think of religion, Scripture does teach true religion. And so does our passage in front of us this evening. In fact... Revelation 18, and in particular verse 14, can be understood as an answer to the question, what is true religion? Now, in getting at how our passage answers this question, what is true religion, we need to be sensitive to the context, of course. And Revelation 18, and in verse 14 that we're going to look at, is found in the context of a chapter that's declaring the fall of Babylon. Now, Babylon is a false church. Babylon may be more than that, but it is at least that. And if we had time, we could comb through the book of Revelation and we could see how counterfeiting is a principle that comes out again and again. Counterfeiting, uh, fakes. A counterfeit is a fake. And in the book of Revelation, there are false prophets. There are false false Christs, a false resurrection, there's a false trinity, there's a false church, and it's false worship. Now, the false is patterned off the true, but in a way that deceives and distorts and leads us us astray. See, what I want to stress here is Babylon is a counterfeit. And as a counterfeit, Babylon deceives, and it's really important for us to understand that Babylon represents all false religion. Babylon represents all false religions. She attracts the demons. She attracts those who seek a life of pleasure and luxury and comfort. Notice verse 7. She glorified herself and lived in luxury. She deceives the nations to follow her in her immoral life. She deceives the kings of the earth who commit immorality with her. The merchants of the earth grow rich from the power of her luxurious living. See, if Babylon characterizes anything, it characterizes false religion, counterfeit religion. A religion of the self. A religion in which the self is glorified and the self is exalted above all else. A religion in which there is no higher God than the self or something created which serves the self. A religion in which worship is given ultimately to the self. Again, verse 7, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury. Babylon glorifies herself. The counterfeit religion of Babylon is a religion of human exaltation, a religion of personal luxury, of wealth, of power. And in that way, it is the quintessential, quintessential false religion. And so it represents all false religions. Our passage in front of us tonight declares, declares absolutely clearly the destruction of Babylon. It declares the destruction of all false religion. 
And in doing so, it shows us something of what the Bible teaches as true religion. As true religion. Now, as we reflect on Revelation 18, and in particular verse 14 tonight, I want you to consider with me the following. And of course, more should be said, more can be said. But for time, because it's limited, we'll, we'll just consider these three points. First, in the false and counterfeit religion of Babylon, the fruit for which the soul longs is something created rather than the creator. Second, in the false religion of Babylon, the fruit for which the soul longs is something temporary and will be ultimately lost. And third, in the true religion of the Bible, the fruit for which the soul longs is nothing other than God himself. All right, so first, in the false counterfeit religion of Babylon, the fruit for which the soul longs is something created rather than the creator. The verses which immediately precede verse 14 demonstrate for us that the false religion of Babylon is a religion in which created things are exalted. The merchants and traders, they become rich from the power of luxurious living. Notice verses 12 and 13, they traded in all kinds of gold and silver and jewels. There's this very long list of all these different items, pearls, fine linen, silk, scented wood, ivory, iron, marble, all these, this long list. And Babylonians love these things. No doubt they love them for their, their beauty, their inherent utility. But our passage makes very clear that those who worship in Babylon love these things because they are means to wealth and to a life of luxury and to a life of self-exaltation. They are means to glorifying the self. They are a means to self-exaltation. Wealth, luxury, power, that's the religion of Babylon. And it is this false religion that we hear in Revelation 18 that will be destroyed. Notice verse 2. Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. She will experience a sudden judgment. Verse 8 tells us her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire. This declaration of the coming destruction of Babylon causes the Babylonian worshipers who, who love these things of the world, it causes them to mourn and weep and wail. Notice verse 9. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They mourn the destruction of their God. They mourn the, the dissolution of their false religion. They weep over the loss of what they loved the most. Now, on the heels of the list of items that we see in verses 12 and 13, these spices, incense, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, and more, we read in verse 14, the fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. And all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. <clears throat> the religion of Babylon is a counterfeit religion in which the things that God has made become themselves objects of worship or means to the exaltation of the self. Created things are the fruit for which the idolatrous heart longs. In Babylon, created things have taken hold of the heart. The deepest longing in this false religion, the deepest longing of the Babylonian, terminates on what is created. What is sought more than anything else is something made, something created, some object or thing other than the creator. And that, ultimately, 
to serve the self. Now, in the teaching of the Bible, the heart is that from which all religious practice flows, whether it's true or false religion. For example, in Proverbs 4.23, we read this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Or consider Jesus' words in Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. The practice of religion, whether it's true or false, flows from the human heart. And when the heart is set upon created things rather than the creator, when the heart longs for what is made more than the maker, then false religion is the result. Now, one of the things I've learned over the years is that many people do not like it when you present them with two mutually exclusive options. Many people, particularly Babylonians, don't like to be forced into binaries. They don't like it when you tell them that they were created religious so that you're going to worship something created or the creator. They don't like it if you tell them, look, you can't worship both and you can't worship neither. See, people pretend to be neutral. They, they want to think of themselves as liberal or open-minded or enlightened. But you either worship the creator or you worship something the creator has made. You, you cannot worship both and you cannot worship neither. And if you worship something created, you are a Babylonian. Now, from the very beginning, humans were created in God's image to worship God and to love God and to know God, to have fellowship and communion with God. That's why we were created. God made us for fellowship with him. And that fellowship would be structured by obedience to God and would express itself in the worship of God. Humans were created in religious fellowship with God as religious creatures. That's how we were made. It was for spiritual and religious fellowship and communion with God that God made us in the first place. And before sin entered the world, the relationship between God and, and Adam and Eve was undisturbed and peaceful. We were told that the Lord walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The Lord spoke to Adam. Adam received words directly from God. Those words would have informed how Adam conducted himself in the world, the work that he would do. God directed Adam by clear instruction, by direct word revelation, and, and Adam in turn would give obedience to God and, and praise to God and worship to God. So after the entrance of sin into the world, religion doesn't just magically disappear. Poof! You're no longer religious. It's not the case that when Adam disobeyed God, he stopped being religious in nature as if his special religious fellowship with God were something that was added to his nature, something that did not enter into his essence. It's not as if suddenly Adam became neutral when he fell into sin or if he somehow became non-religious. No, Adam remained a religious creature after the fall. But see, here's the key point. This is the point to stress. His religion was corrupted. His religious nature was corrupted, but he was still religious. After the fall and through the fall, the object of religion had changed. The object of religion shifted from the creator to something created. 
in sin, and as a result of the fall, the object of religion was no longer God. That's exactly what Paul gets at in Romans chapter 1. I think it's, it's worth reading verse 22 just real quick because it gets at this point exactly. Uh, listen to Paul in Romans 1.22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. See, Babylonians worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. In the false religion of Babylon, the fruit for which the soul longs is something made rather than the maker. All right, well, that's point one. That brings us to our second point this evening. In the false religion of Babylon, the fruit for which the soul longs is something temporary and will ultimately be lost. The fruit of Babylonian religion is temporary. And will ultimately be lost. Notice again verse 14. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. And all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you. Never to be found again. Chapter 18 is a declaration from God through an angel in heaven. Of the coming destruction of Babylon. That is the coming destruction of all false religions. The destruction of the city of Babylon which glorified herself and lived in luxury is declared certain. And we learn in Revelation 18 that those who glorify themselves and live in luxury, those who engage in false worship of something created, they will see the destruction of their God. The false worshipers of Babylon will experience the destruction of everything for which their idolatrous hearts long. As they have set their hearts on what is created, as they have lived for themselves, seeking power, luxury, wealth, as they have exalted themselves in idolatrous worship, well, then they will witness the destruction of their God. The destruction of all for which their soul longs, the destruction of the fruit that's sought by their heart more than anything else. See, as created in the image of God, as we've said, we were created for religious fellowship. And it was God's design to offer that fellowship to be confirmed and to be made permanent. Temporary fellowship with God was never God's ultimate design. If we had more time, we could look at how in the the covenant of works that was established with Adam, that God gave Adam an opportunity to earn eternal life through obedience and the probation. If he would have been obedient to God in the probation, he would have earned eternal life. And that shows that God's design was that fellowship with those created in his image was designed to be permanent. But breaking the covenant brought consequences for disobedience, and that culminates in physical and in spiritual death. And see, what our passage in Revelation 18 shows us so clearly is that Babylonians live for what is temporary. They live for what's passing away. And you might say, oh, well, why are you telling me this? I'm not a Babylonian. No, no, you're not, but but, but please hear it. Because we're all tempted. We all have maybe a little Babylonian in us sometimes, and we have to resist. We can't live for what's temporary. Babylonians live for what is temporary, and as they do so, they manifest their status as covenant breakers. 
Their deepest longing terminates on what is temporary, on what is passing away, like the, like the beauty of a flower. It just cannot remain. It fades into nothing. And see, Babylonians, by turning the heart to what is created, have turned the heart to what is time-bound and temporary and certain to fade away. See, by seeking the things that are below, by seeking that city without foundations, made by the hands of fallible men, by setting their minds on what is below, on what is temporary, Babylonians manifest their status as covenant breakers. Content with the earthly and with the sensual and with the tangible, like Esau, they forfeit their inheritance. As covenant breakers, they betray the very purpose of their creation, to have fellowship and communion with God for the glory of God and to have that fellowship into eternity. Forsaking the life of God, Babylonians have turned to what is temporary for the filling up of their soul. Only to watch, only to watch as all for which their soul longs crumbles before their very eyes. Notice how verse 8 accents the suddenness of the coming destruction. Her plagues will come in a single day. We didn't read it, but notice verse 17. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. Verse 19, for in a single hour, she has been laid waste. The suddenness of the coming destruction accents the temporary nature of the false religion of Babylon. Three times it's repeated for us. In a single day, in a single hour, in a single hour, destruction will come. And even more than the suddenness of the coming destruction, which accents the temporary nature of false religion, notice that what's taken away as this uh, sudden destruction comes, what's taken away is everything that the heart longs for. What's laid waste is the object of false religion. What's lost is what is loved more than anything else. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. That's devastating. But if that weren't devastating enough, our passage also teaches us that as this coming judgment uh, is, is rained down from heaven on counterfeit religion, on false religion, the results are permanent. The result is permanent. Again, notice verse 14. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The permanence of the result of this coming judgment is made clear in that last phrase, never to be found again. The result of the judgment of God on false religion is permanent. Now, this judgment doesn't necessarily involve the, the destruction of earth or matter or anything like that. That's not, that's not what's in view. Very clearly, what's in view is that for which the idolatrous heart longs. What, what the idolatrous heart wants more than anything else, that is taken away from the Babylonian. For all creature worshipers, what they love the most is lost to them and will never be found again. What they had pursued with all their heart, what they loved more than anything else, even things good in themselves, but what they loved more than anything else, what they set their hearts on as the fruition of life is gone permanently. It's lost to them. And in being lost to them, it will never be found again. 
again, we didn't read it, but notice how this permanence is accented for us in verse 21. An angel takes up a stone and throws it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. The loss to come is permanent for all who love and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. When judgment comes on those who worship created things, there is great loss. There's great loss. There's the loss of everything the soul loves, everything for which the soul longs, everything that's held most dear, everything for which all the energy of life is given in pursuit, all of it is gone, and it never returns. The loss is permanent. This brings us to our third and final point this morning. In the true religion of the Bible... The fruit for which the soul longs is nothing other than God himself. If the false religion of Babylon is based on what is created, and if all false religion is temporary and fading away, so also, if the soul longs for God, if the soul seeks after God and rests in God, if the fruit for which the soul longs is God, then that religion will never pass away any more than God himself can pass away. If the fruit for which the soul longs is God, that that fruit will never be lost. That fruit will never be taken away. It will never decay. It will never be destroyed any more than God himself could decay or be destroyed. Now, it's very striking to me to compare the reactions that we are given in Revelation 18 to this coming judgment. There's one event spoken of here in, in Revelation, Revelation 18. It's a judgment. And yet there are very different reactions that we see here. There is the reaction of the false church, the followers of the great prostitute. There's the reaction of the Babylonians. And there is the reaction of the true church, the redeemed and pure bride of Christ. For those who worship created things rather than the creator, for Babylonians, their reaction is mourning and weeping. It is the profound reaction of deep sadness at what is lost because what is lost is what is most cherished in life. What is lost is what is loved more than anything else. But for those who worship and serve the creator God, the reaction to this coming judgment is very different. To the same act of judgment, to the same event, worshipers of the true God show a reaction of rejoicing and celebration and praising God. Notice how chapter 19 opens on the heels of the disaster that we see in chapter 18. I think it's worth reading just a few verses from chapter 19. And notice this very different reaction. So if the Babylonians are mourning and they're weeping and wailing because they've lost everything that they've invested their whole life in, they've lost everything that they hoped for and they loved more than anything else, look at the reaction of the, of the bride of Christ. Look at the reaction of people who worship and serve the Creator. Revelation 19 reads this way. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. 
And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. It's difficult to find more diametrically opposed reactions to one event than this. Weeping and mourning, wailing on the one hand, and rejoicing and singing and praising God. On the other hand, these are reactions to the same event. Both reactions to the righteous judgment of God on the false religion of Babylon. The false and counterfeit religion of Babylon will be destroyed. Those who become rich, who enjoy the temporary and passing pleasure of Babylon, will weep and mourn and wail. But for the bride of Christ, for those who follow the true religion, for those who by grace are brought into the new creation, they will worship the living and true God for all eternity. And they will rejoice, and they will sing, and they will praise God. Verse 14 says, The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. Yes, our passage teaches us something of true religion. Yes, it does. If the false religion of Babylon is a counterfeit religion in which the focus and the desire and the hope and the goal is for something created... If the false religion of Babylon is a religion in which the soul is attached most ultimately to things that are passing away. If the false religion of Babylon is a religion in which the soul is attached to things which will be permanently lost. Well then by contrast, the true religion of the Bible is focused on the true and living God, the almighty and the everlasting God. And so it is a religion which is everlasting. Because the heart of true religion is love for and fellowship with the living and true God himself. That's true religion. And God is the great and the everlasting one. See, the joy of heaven, the greatest possible reward in the depths of eternity is to know God and have fellowship with him. To know him as a personal God. To know the living and true God, the creator of all things, the greatest joy that we can experience as human beings is to know God and to have fellowship with him. And just as in the counterfeit religion, the loss to the idolatrous heart is great, the loss of everything which is loved, so in the true religion of the Bible, a religion in which the soul is attached to God more than, than anything else, the soul is attached to God in the true religion of the Bible, worship and praise and adoration will go up to God forever and ever and ever. His praise will never fail. His praise will never end. We will praise him forever. Now we began this evening with a question. What is true religion? And the answer our passage leads us to is that true religion is a religion in which God himself, God himself and nothing else, nothing else, God himself is the substance and the goal and the reward. In true religion, the sinner is turned from a life of creature worship to a life of the worship of the one and only living and true God, the Almighty, the Everlasting. And there, in God, the repentant sinner finds life and grace and peace. There in God, the renewed sinner finds ultimate satisfaction and joy. In the new creation that God is establishing, he promises to make all things new. Revelation 21.5, behold, I am making all things new. 
And in the same place, we are promised in the new creation that the soul which looks to God will finally and fully rest in God. And this rest, brothers and sisters, this rest, this rest comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It comes through Jesus' death for sinners, through the shedding of his blood to reconcile sinners to God. There is a new creation. And in this new creation, all the redeemed, all souls saved by the grace of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ will dwell with God forever. In the new creation, those redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ will enjoy fellowship and communion with God into eternity. Now, as we close this evening, I want you to hear the words of Revelation 21, 3, and 4. It's speaking about this new creation. Listen. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. See, that's the new creation. In the new creation, God dwells with a redeemed people, and God receives all worship and praise and glory and honor. And he does this through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Through his death and resurrection, sinners are reconciled to God and are made new. They're made a new worshiping community, new creatures designed for eternal, unending fellowship with an unending, eternal God. This is the new creation, and we call it the kingdom of God, a new creation in which the soul is fully and finally and completely satisfied in God, all because of what God himself has done through Jesus Christ. See, in this new creation, sadness, mourning, crying, and pain are gone forever. In this new creation, death and sin are overcome. In this new creation, the true and living God receives all praise and glory and worship, for he alone is making all things new. In this new creation, in the new Jerusalem, God himself will be the light. And the glory of that heavenly city will shine for all eternity in the face of our merciful Savior. Jesus Christ, to God be all glory, both now and ever, now and forever. Come, Lord Jesus, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you. We thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that through his death and resurrection, sinners like us can find grace and peace. We thank you that through Jesus we are reconciled to you, and by the power of your Spirit we no longer worship and serve created things, but we worship and serve you, the creator of all. We praise you for your grace, and we pray that as we go out this week to battle the world and the flesh and the devil, that you might be pleased to strengthen us and cause us to stand against all forms of compromise and temptation. Cause us to stand faithfully as we wait for Jesus to show himself. Cause us to stand faithfully for your glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please now stand and receive the blessing of the Lord. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.